0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable.
1: And I'm
0: Bill Price. And today we are going to finish our list in the uh, most, what, what was our list title? Most memorable playthroughs of last year? Or, I think that yeah. was it, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Most, most memorable or notable uh, plays of 2021. Yes.
0: And the, this, today also we are doing our early morning edition, at least for me, we're two hours apart, <laughs> so early morning edition of uh, of Roasted Games, early-ish morning. Yes. It's,
1: I'm, but, on the, uh, I'm on Eastern time and it is still pre-noon, so yes, it's, uh, it's still morning and this, this is the earliest, we we're talking about this, this is the earliest I think that we have ever recorded uh, one of these. <laughs> I don't know if I can talk about board games this early in the morning. But I'm going to try. I'm
0: not sure if I can talk about much. I read, I was listening to a show the other day, and they're talking about Ben Franklin when he was um, in France negotiating France's help in the war, Civil War. Mm And you know it's a it was just parties all the time, and rarely did the aristocracy or the ruling class wake up before noon. And one day, for some reason, he did wake up way early in the morning, or maybe he just stayed up all night. And he he was astounded by the sunset or the sunrise, and he wrote this like massive editorial in the french papers chastising the aristocracy for not getting up to see the sunrise every once in a while and he was just amazed <laughs> that it happened and it was just <laughs> that's how i feel this morning it's, it's, it's early like, but it's I, beautiful
1: yeah i go to sleep and it's dark i wake up and it's light that's how that yeah. works right it's yeah. like turning and, on uh, turning on <laughs> a light which right. they didn't it's, have
0: at it's the time. noon and i'm up so i don't understand yeah <laughs> Huh. Yeah. But uh but anyway, we'll power through here and jo- talk about some great games. Um we're going to finish off our lists of top 10 and get through our next 5. Um let's see. I will kick it off if you're all right with that.
1: I yep, think I uh, bet we have some crossover too.
0: I bet we do. Um so my first one and I'm guessing this is one of the ones that might be on your list. Uh I fract- I'm almost guaranteeing it. <laughs> Cuz we've talked about this a bit. We both had some great playthroughs and that is Dwellings of Eldervale.
1: Yes, that is um, on my list.
0: Yeah, I figured it'd be somewhere. Dwellings of Veil is just great. We've talked about it a lot, so I won't go into too much detail. But it is just a memorable game. I had two playthroughs of it, where uh, one was um, with a big player count, and one was with a smaller player count. And the big player count was good, but I feel like that my comment at the time, and I stand by it, is that the larger player count, it it. It's one of those games where I feel like it tried to squeeze it in. It's such a good game that I think it becomes a little more claustrophobic and different in feel than, than I think maybe the intent of the game was or the design of the game was. It's still a fun version. It's just a, it's just different to the feel of every other player count in that game. But I had a great time. I almost won <laughs> that game. I got snaked at uh, the end by uh, our friend Brandon, who is good at doing that such things. And uh, I've I just astounded by this game it's a very interesting structure it's a very satisfying game to play and um, just a lot of options to engage with in a really beautiful uh, design setting so dwellings of elder is where i'm going to kick it off
1: all right well i will continue on uh with that with my thoughts on dwellings of Eldervale. Mm-hmm. um when you you did i i was unaware you'd played anything besides like the full player count what uh smaller player count what was your how many players was it
0: I was four, so we just knocked down four. to one. One down, but okay. um, did you but, notice yeah, but, the
1: big difference between four and five?
0: I did. I mean, the board layout's the same, the tile layout, but the just having less one less person, it felt like you could get your engine going a little. You know, without it didn't feel as claustrophobic. You know what I mean? And that, and so I did feel quite a difference.
1: See, and I feel like uh, between the two of us, you and I have. Uh, we, we both really seem to enjoy this game, uh, but I think we have vastly different perspectives on what this game is. Sure. Uh, every playthrough that I've had on it, and I've probably played it, gosh, 10 or 12 times. Um, it's one of my more played games from last year. Uh, it's all at two players. Oh sure uh, yeah. So I've never played this beyond two players. So to me like this is the ultimate two player game and it's so smooth at two because you there's there's plenty of room to explore and and get your engine going and do what you need to do but there are opportunities uh to interact with the other player but it's it's opportunities to interact when you want to interact rather right. than I feel like if you had more players and it was more confined, you would interact just because the game forces you to interact when you're maybe not ready or uh, it isn't the ideal time. And I feel like part of the two player strategy really comes in. And one of my favorite parts of the game is really deciding when those moments are and, and taking advantage of them, but being proactive about it rather than reactive. And I feel yeah. like the more players you would put in, the more reactive of a game it is. And that's just not, I don't enjoy that typically in games as much as uh, having a little more agency to to proactively go after those engagements and those interactions. Um, yeah. So like, this is a great tour. If you ever get a chance to play this two-player or even three-player uh, i'd imagine it's it's fairly similar at three but uh, if you ever get a chance it's uh it's really really fun and it's it's quick it's pretty quick surprisingly for for as big a game as it is it's not nearly as complex going in as you would think it would be you yeah know? yeah uh because because you look at the components and you're like oh my gosh this is the gameryest game ever and then you get into it and you're playing it and you're like oh this is actually reasonably simple to, yeah, to kind of totally work together. Everything works really well together. I don't feel like there's a lot of fluff. I don't feel like it's fiddly. I think that it, uh, it feels very streamlined. This was definitely one of the most impressive games from last year that uh, I had the opportunity to play. If I were ranking things, this would probably be my number one as far yeah. as uh favorite games from from last year that that I had the opportunity to play
0: it is great i would totally agree with the accessibility of it 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 is um a big game like there's a lot of stuff going on but the the uh, that was that was one thing that struck me too when we started playing it's just like oh okay oh okay i get this i mean there's a couple things that i had to remember like on especially mostly about late game scoring <clears throat> um the like i kind of forgot about the um The first time i played the magic track i didn't forget about it till the end but i forgot about it uh in the game it's easy to kind of get going and you're going up the magic track when you're like well how does that score again and all that stuff but uh really accessible yeah i would totally agree with that it's very easy to jump in and engage with this game and um it is it's not point solid completely but it, it there's a lot of ways to score and navigate a strategy so never feels really that you're doing a bad move, even if you're not doing the most ideal move that you want to do, you always feel like you have a lot of options, which is, which yeah. is nice.
1: And that's, that's one thing that kind of threw me off the first few times that I play this is, uh, is the scoring because there's mm-hmm. so many things you can do and fun things that you just want to go out and I want to explore this. I want to look at this. I want to try this. I want to do these things. And it really inherently comes down to building these dwellings and advancing on the elemental tracks, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not advancing on all the elemental tracks. It's like finding your couple and maxing them out, and then finding ways to, like, really go at hard after those particular tracks, and then building those dwellings. And you don't always think about the dwellings right off the bat because. Right inherently that's kind of one of the weird theme things that i'm not sure i really ever understood and probably still don't is what all of this grandiose exploration and and fighting these monsters and all this magic and everything and like the whole goal is to just like build a a, build these houses right (laughs) which is a little weird so so i guess in my head i'm I sort of think of them as like holy spots or something like you're building shrines. Yeah. You're building like these magical ley line areas or something that can't be destroyed that just like solidify your civilization as, you know, spiritually proficient or something. I I don't know. You've got to do something because if if you're like, I'm going around building shacks and that's how my civilization shows its superiority, (laughs) people will be like, yeah, yeah, that's that's real weird because they do just look like little, like log cabins or whatever. Right, <laughs> you like, right. how is the log cabin, like the ultimate show of dominance in this world? <laughs> uh, but so, so that, that kind of threw me off because you really like as much fun as there is to be had in this world, it really inherently comes down to those two things, mm-hmm. building dwellings and advancing on that track. Because if you don't do either of those things, you will not win this game, especially if you're playing with somebody who is actively pursuing those ends. And when I played with uh, with Jeff for the first time, that got me because I was just like doing all these things. And he's like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to get this door card. And I'm like, door cards are stupid. <laughs> right. And yeah, it turns out they're not, in fact, stupid. Um, yeah. Cause, so yeah, so you really really need to uh, to uh if you're playing with somebody who has played before and they're doing something look at what they're doing and do that because you're probably doing it wrong
0: <laughs> yeah the the door cards are what that's got me at the end of my first game as well they um uh they're great and it is one of those things that it is easy to overlook but man, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So that's one area where I really haven't explored in the game, and I really want to like go hard on the door card strategy as much as possible. Because I went well, yep. Because
1: yeah, they I, they multiply. They they multiply yeah. based on uh, like the like they're scoring multipliers. So they're they're huge as far as points go. Right,
0: right. Yeah, they can be massive point swings. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it the the huts are just such an interesting thing too where where you get a continual benefit and obviously scoring for them over time and, and it is a good thing as well because you're upgrading those workers. Uh, workers are still very useful throughout the whole game but you're upgrading those workers and then using more I don't know, it forces you to get out your other characters and anyway, this game is a great design, <laughs> really worth playing another plus is it has great organizers and that's always oh, like so good. Good, good for you so game good. designers when or publishers when they do that so Super, super good all around. Uh, just you know, be prepared for five. It's a lot more of a, <laughs> it's a lot more of a cutthroat game. Um, all right, well, I is can that, imagine. Is that back to me then? Or you want to do a five? Is that your uh, Dwellings your five? Back to you. Yeah, Dwellings is my five. So back, right. back to you. Uh, well, I'll jump in and do a um, a quick just callback game. This is my game that I've revisited uh, this year and was. Um, just kind of surprised <laughs> that I that I my memories of it were were different, and I don't know if it's because I hadn't played it in a long time, uh, but that's Agricola, all creatures big and small. So I uh, I used to play this on my phone a lot, and um, I think that's the only time I've I've I'd really played it, and I really like it. I like the game a lot, but I remember being just kind of burnt brain burny a little bit, and like being real. Tr- uh, struggling to like find the strategy, like I enjoyed it. It was satisfying, but it was a game you would have to be like ready to play in my mind. And then I recently, or I towards the end of the year, I played it again, and um, I didn't feel that at all. <laughs> I just really, really enjoyed it. I had such fun with the decisions. And yeah, you've got to make some tough decisions sometimes about oh do I do I breed these animals? Do I find some wood? Do I expand my farm? You know, obviously there's a lot of decisions in there, but I just found it way. Just fun, not not at all, like, frustratingly indecisive about which direction I should go. And I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't know what happened. I don't know if I've played more games like it and I just became used to the structure or if um, I just was ready for a Agricultural Creatures Big and Small again. But I played it again and I just had a – I loved it. I thought it was just smooth and it was – uh, tough decisions, but fun decisions. I never felt like I was really furrowing my brow and being like, "Ah, damn it, curse this game." So I don't know what happened, but I really came around on it.
1: <laughs> huh? I I have never played it actually. So. Have you
0: played the re- original Agricola?
1: I have. Yes. See, I have not played that. So um, I hate feeding my workers. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> right. like everyone does. <laughs> yeah. What What do they need food for? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it basically it, to me it just it always comes down to uh, it, if you want to play Agricola like really you're like I just want to really want to play Agricola but what it should be and what it it evolved into just play Caverna. Right. Sure. Because that's in, inherent it seems it feels like Agricola was like the dry run for mm-hmm. yeah. for Caverna. Like he finally figured out okay, all the stuff people are complaining about and all the things that don't work as well. Let's change it. Let's evolve. Let's put this here. Let's take this out, and then just—it's almost like a a prototype iteration. It's just yeah. sort of what he does. and then I think he kept pro- kept progressing, and I think you sort of end up with—I um, well, think very much you end up with *Feast for Odin*. Oh right, yeah, I forgot about that. Then Feast for Odin. kind of builds on on that whole structure, and and I don't think you can compare. Feast for Odin and Agricola quite as much as you can compare both of them to Caverna and see Caverna as kind of that ideal middle step. But I think I think Caverna is what uh, Agricola wanted to be in the beginning, but finally became. But yeah, uh, all creatures, big and small. I haven't uh, I have ever played.
0: It's really great, and I mean it, it's fast. It's only two players, um, and it just it's as a two player game. There's you know, there's not a lot of games like that that are two players, and so it you get that really satisfying euro feel out of it, and of course it's Uve, um, so you know that design is really tight. Um, but yeah, it's it's become kind of my top five in my top five two player games to grab and go to and, and play. So uh, definitely worth a revisit if you haven't played it in a long time or never I never played it, but. Oh, Caverna is another one I've I've never played as well. And I really uh, getting back into this game makes me really want to check that one out. Of course, so someday, someday in the future, I'll be playing Caverna or report that I've played Caverna.
1: Yeah, we um our last playthrough of Caverna took so long uh, that about I don't know three and a half hours in, we just all stopped playing. Um, but <laughs> really? it was it, in our defense, it was a five player. Game and and from my understanding, everything I've heard from everyone, don't play five-player Caverna unless (laughs) you have a lot of time. Right. So, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Any of these game? Oh my god, it plays up to seven. That's crazy. Can you imagine? You'd be there
1: for days. I actually wonder if maybe it was, maybe it was a seven-player game. Somebody I kept thinking it was it was maximum player. So if it plays up to seven, then it was seven players that's yeah that's don't, don't ever don't ever do that ever
0: i mean just looking at the boards the the, the pictures of people playing it's such a big game <laughs> it takes up like a whole table just <laughs> set up yeah it looks astounding
1: we played it at, at game night on the the big giant tables there at the and uh wherever we used to peek to peek <laughs> and um yeah it was rough it took up Everything we're all like huddled in little areas. Like, here's my player board, <laughs> right? So, Tell me what's going on over there, yeah. So, okay, well, then uh, I will go for my number four, which uh, is a game that actually you and I have played mm-hmm. this year, well, last year, um, the year we're talking about 2021, <laughs> um, and that is Draftosaurus. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. So I played this, uh, Kirsten and I have played this a whole bunch two-player. I've played it with um, Kirsten and Joey, uh, three-player. I've played it four-player in Denver with with you guys. Um, I've played every player count, and it's fantastic at at all counts. Um, I really enjoy it. It's just puzzly enough uh, it's a sufficiency puzzle and it's just puzzly enough to be fun and casual but but not so puzzly that it's that you have uh, analysis paralysis or you're just like it's not brain burning it's just it's so quick and that's the thing it if this were a longer game if this went you know eight rounds or had you know twice as many meeples or or uh, 10 times more scoring areas or whatever. This could be like the most brain burning paralyzing game of all time. Um, but it's so fast and so quick and the rounds just move that you're just like, okay, I'm going to put this here. And you know what, if it doesn't pan out that uh, that, that was the ideal place for this, then oh well, you know, because cause in the end it's ultimately just a simple drafting game. It's uh, like we always called it um, sushi go with meeples <laughs> you know, so you're just you're just passing maples and you're picking one and you're placing it, and uh, and it's just it's so quick and breezy, and it just takes this idea that uh, some games have taken uh, to an extreme, and and you just it, it it's so much easier, I, I feel like when when you have a short game like this and uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I really enjoy it I think uh, they did a great job it's just long enough it's just complex enough um, you can play it with uh, younger kids because they get it because um, the scoring areas there's only you know a handful of them anyway and uh, and kind of no matter what you do you're gonna get some points so you're never gonna have you know a kid just locked out completely. Um, yeah it's, uh yeah I, I really enjoy it great filler game.
0: Yeah, this one is really was really fun. (laughs) I really like this game as well. Uh, I actually kind of forgot about it until you brought it up again. I was gonna put this on a a pickup list for me because this is definitely one my family would would enjoy. Um, Great design, and also the uh, replayability is just high here. It's one of those games where um, I feel this in a lot of two player games or games that you play two player where you're like, oh, let's play another one. And um, I, I feel like it's rare you'd probably just play one of these, just one. It's just it's such a fun. Uh I don't know the, the the choice of scoring direction is pretty varied here and of course you have two-sided map so you're um you know the the value of the game's pretty high <clears throat> and I just remember really really we I think we played two or three times yeah in a row and um and just each time I was I was I didn't get sick of it I was just like oh that's was, that was great let's do it again <laughs> so this is yeah, definitely one of those games like you said it's fast it's really engaging a lot of replayability
1: Yes, absolutely, and and the the two-sided maps are, are good, like you said, um, but that die, the die that you roll, that kind of restricts everyone else, but but the roller, um, mm-hmm. and where they can place, is another piece of that puzzle that adds to that replayability because there's no set formula at that point because you you really it, it makes it so tactical um, that you have to constantly respond. To what that die roll says, even though you want the ideal play is to go over here, but you can't. So what's your second? What's your third? What's your fourth option? Right. And um, and and so it it prevents it from being very from feeling so formulaic that you just do the same thing every time. Okay, I'm going to take this and put it here. I'm gonna take this and put it here. And uh, which games like Dominion or something that you know the first five moves are always scripted out. Yeah, that's that's never the case with Draftosaurus, because you can't do it. Yeah. Uh, not just the variability of the meeples, uh, but also the fact that uh, you just you you can't because yeah. there's the, uh, <laughs> going to be a lot of instances where the the move you want to make you can't.
0: Right. <clears throat> yeah, I I just uh, couldn't. Yeah, uh, I couldn't. Don't. Yeah. Can't say enough about this. There we go. Can't talk either. Um, you can't I say see... enough about anything. <laughs> I can't say <laughs> anything about anything. Uh, I did see too that they. I was just looking up to see what it's going for right now, and it's still really reasonable. It's actually on sale right now on Amazon for twenty bucks. Um, but they explain. have the uh, the Marina expansion and the aerial show expansion. Have you checked any of
1: those out? It, it has expansions.
0: It does. Yeah, it's got uh, the aerial aerial show which is obviously flying animals. Uh it looks like it's a bunch of new boards or add-on boards or maybe it's a a straight play alone. I can't really tell. Actually, it looks like it could be. Uh and then the marina is aquatic animals that they both uh, I think they are just standalones. I and they have no idea. Yeah, it's uh Oh no, I think they can all be played together. So you could play make a giant park with three of them and uh the each of the expansions are only 15 bucks. So check what?
1: those. What? Well, yeah. That's yeah. It looks the, pretty Yeah, cool. I'm writing that down right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who knew? You, but <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> probably I some other people, out. but yeah, <laughs> probably huh, a couple of us. Me and you. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, that would be that would be super cool. We we really like this one. So
0: yeah. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, Dryptosaurus. Really great. Um, okay, my next one is going to be <clears throat> um, uh, a big game. I have two big games actually coming up. Spoiler alert. Uh, this one is a game that I played at a, uh, a game day that someone in the group was having. Um, I had uh, not heard of this one at all, but I, we jumped in and got into it, and I really, really enjoyed it. It's called After the Empire. And after the empire is, um, let's see how to describe it. It's 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 in the time of you know the feudal times of, of knights and and uh, castles. And what you're doing is you're each you each have your own stronghold, and you are um, throughout the game defending it against uh, hordes of invaders. And while you're doing that, you're also trying to upgrade your stronghold and your ...to become a keep, and then you can upgrade its walls. It's really cool. It's got a three-dimensionality to it. So you're building your castle throughout the game... ...as well as recruiting soldiers to fight for you... ...farming your lands to earn points... <clears throat> ...excuse me, and, um, and also uh, going out into the, the far-flung lands... ...to, um, you know, find treasures or um, find more uh, powerful allies... Um, rec- ...just discover uh, better upgrades uh you're doing all sorts of stuff so it combines it kind of feels like a few different games not exactly one for one mashed together but it uh it feels like a couple different games combined plus the super cool castle building structure and yeah every it looks badass yeah it's <laughs> i think you would love this game like this is a game that was as soon as i played it, it was like oh bill would really like this um it's just so cool. It, it does so many really fun things together. And then the round, each round, as the invaders, uh, when the invaders come for your castle, they come for everyone's castle, and they, the way it's done is they come in specific directions. So at the end of the round or during the course of the round, you can allot your soldiers. To different sides of your castle. So, you know, one of the four sides of your castle. And so um, you have a little bit of information of where they're coming from, but it's a wild card exactly... Where the bulk of their force might be coming from, or a big invasion push might be coming from, or they set up a trebuchet on one side, and so you kind of have to prepare, and it it creates this really interesting strategy in your castle where it's not just build the get to the stone castle right away and build it up. Um, that's not a bad plan, but you can also just keep your wood um, stronghold or keep, and and let it be kind of beat the crap beaten out of it, <laughs> and then rebuild it every round. Um, and go that way. And, and Or you can do some, like uh, your parapets. You can just upgrade those to stone and then keep your walls as wood. Or have part of your castle wood and the other part um, stone. So when you have to allot your soldiers, you can allot them more focused on the wood side and then keep the stone a little less protected because it's stronger and will take more damage and cause more uh, trouble for the invaders. And then you're also going out during the day and recruiting and scoring points and um, you know traveling across the board. It's such a cool uh structure i i really enjoyed this game it's um it's I, yeah i can't recommend it enough <laughs> it's really cool they're also doing something this year with it um i don't know if they're doing a reprint or if they're doing like an expansion but something's going on i'll look it up uh as we talk and, and comment in a minute but definitely one that i had a very unique experience hadn't played anything quite like it and i thought it was Designed and produced very, very well. So after the Empire, this my number three.
1: Huh, that looks amazing. That's the, <laughs> the component quality looks it's like absolutely off the wall. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, I, th- I think I remember what they're doing. They're doing a deluxe reprint, and so the invaders uh, and your soldiers are all we're all just colored little cubes, and so because um, you can hire soldiers or you can hire mercenaries. And now the reprint is um, Meeple. So there's little, uh, or uh, standees, or not standees, but, um, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, pla- molded plastic characters. Miniatures? So it actually looks more realistic.
1: Huh. Yeah, but that's it, that's, uh, that's really neat looking. Yeah. For sure.
0: Super cool game.
1: Okay. Well, um, my next one, uh, my son Joey and I did a mini-sode on. And that is uh, Cthulhu, Death May Die by Eric mm-hmm. Lang. Yeah. And uh, it is still overwhelmingly amazing. Um, it's so big and grandiose. And just the the thing that captured me about it so much was not necessarily the, the gameplay itself um, as far as the mechanisms go. Because it's a very punishing game. It, it really is. Like, every time you draw one of those mythos cards, like, you know you're just going to get destroyed, right? Like, you know somebody's dying or right. you're just going to be moved to the brink of insanity or something. Um, but it's uh, it's so thematic that it's it's potentially one of the most thematic games that I've ever played. The whole time, you're just paranoid and you're you're... It's it's what I imagine I would be feeling um, on a micro level, of course, uh, if I were actually in that situation. And it's mm-hmm. just so, it kind of reminds me of, um, did you read the Harry Potter books?
0: Uh, ha- yeah, I've
1: read them. Or okay, them. <laughs> so, so um, all the Harry Potter books I breezed through in like a day or two, except for mm-hmm. Order of the Phoenix, which was this month-long slog for me. <laughs> because it was so depressing and such a downer that like every every page you turn, something awful happened. And just every time you're like, could it get any worse? And yes, it can always get worse. And it did over and over and over. There's just so much of that you can take. Um, and that's kind of, I, I, I know I'm not selling this game right now, but uh, <laughs> but that to me is what Cthulhu feels like. You know, and that that cosmic like terror, you know, you're not going to win. It's, uh, but, but you can at least try and, and extend it as much as possible. And, uh, and in this game, you do win. We did win. Uh, we, somebody had to sacrifice themselves to do it. And it was just like this epic ending. And, uh, and then you go on to the next chapter and it's just, it's, it's always so dark and you're sure that every every flip of that card is going to end the game for you. And so when you win, it's just this great, powerful experience that you're just like overwhelmed with. And it's, uh, it's a great experience game. Uh, very similar to like a, a Nemesis or um, Mansions of Madness or hmm. um, what uh, the betrayal at House on the Hill could have been, right? Uh, it should be and is sometimes with the right haunt uh, betrayal can definitely have that that you know that that thematic quality to it. Um, but yeah, great. if you if you want the ultimate Cthulhu experience, um, Cthulhu Death May Die has it in spades, and uh, that is the one I would recommend. Nice, it's yeah. wonderful.
0: <laughs> I have not played that one. I'd really like to. Um, it looks uh, it looks pretty awesome. <laughs> um, I'm trying to bring it up here real quick. Yeah, and the production yeah we, we talked a lot about this. Fantastic. It looks amazing.
1: Yeah the the bad guys are all like grotesque and and just like <laughs> over the top <laughs> miniatures and just everything you do uh, every card you pull all of a sudden all these bad guys come jumping out and you, you it can feel very overwhelming, but in a, in a good way. Um, if it felt like you were in control the whole time and then you won the game, that wouldn't, you wouldn't get that feeling. It right, always right. feels like you're on the verge of losing always just like right on the edge of losing. And it has that really neat, a really neat mechanic that uh, I don't think is used very often. Um, but, that uh, that mechanism where the the more insane you go, the more powerful you get. Sure. But yeah. if you get too insane, you die. You go crazy and die. So it's uh, it's almost like your sanity is uh, is like another resource, and it's almost like a like a meta resource management game where uh, you're kind of saying okay. I'm willing to give a little sanity here to get stronger in order to accomplish more things. But if I go too far over the line, then I risk just falling into the abyss. So where right. is that Where is that line? You can't play it too safe, but at the same time, you can't be too reckless.
0: Right, right.
1: So it's, uh, it's a very difficult line to walk, especially when things that aren't under your control can can cause insanity so you're like do i push it and then hope i don't get that card that just absolutely sends me over the edge or do i play it really safe and kind of let the game walk me that direction uh <clears throat> really really interesting choices it, it leads to to very cool choices in that regard
0: yeah that's the that's the best type of cool cthulhu game right where <laughs> you're straddling your insanity and <laughs> and trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to progress without cracking, or you see one slightly not as crazy thing as you've seen before, and that sets you over the edge. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you're so close to insanity that you just, yeah, you see this like really just funny looking plant, and all of a sudden right. you're done. Yeah! You're so, <laughs> that's all I can take. That's all I can take. <laughs> it's over.
0: Oh, nice! Yeah, this is one I'd really love to to check out. So, Um, all right, nice. Uh, My next one, my next one is another big game since we're kind of in big game mode right now, and um, that one is Game of Thrones, the board game. I had never played this, but I got a a, a chance to, and um, I really, really liked it. Uh, Have you
1: Have you played this one? I have not
0: so <clears throat> this one is interesting it uh, we brought it to the table and it was brought to the table by uh, a friend who he used to play this uh, with his like work group they would have like a just a thursday night recurring get together and they just got so used to the game that they you know it became shorthand for them they get through it quick and it was a great battle game it's cutthroat and it's uh it, it'd be a great game for for that um I really liked it. I can see how it's showing its age a little bit, but <clears throat> it was a real fun experience when we played. The one thing that the biggest complaint that it gets is that it's too too long for what it is, and I, I would agree with that. It would be nice if it could be the time shortened a bit, but for like a once in a while game, um, I I would play it again. And I think it's for me, it's a game that I play like yeah, maybe once a year. I'd get into a big Game of Thrones session <clears throat> and try to. Um, you know, try to take over Westeros and and uh, slaughter my enemies and make alliances. It it it's a really cool structure of um, trying to. You start with a territory based on the you know the series and the IP uh, of a house, and you start with your castle. And you start with a couple of territories around you, and you are trying to expand the territory, and you are trying to um, obviously earn. In, I think it's influence is what it's called, or points of somehow to basically become take the the uh, sort the throne of uh swords what is it called the anyway the the sword throne whatever they call the iron throne (laughs) the iron throne there we go i was like that's not right the pointy throne (laughs) the Um, sword
1: of the the throne of swords yeah (laughs) there we go the the iron throne yeah
0: (laughs) the iron throne um but in the game you are encouraged to make these very weak alliances and you have to you really have to and uh, a lot of times with games like that, I tend to be like, Ugh, I hate having to negotiate when a game forces you to negotiate an alliance because, um, you know, especially sometimes people they just won't. <laughs> and if the game yeah. is really pushing you towards it, then it's just like, well, what do we do here? Then we're both going to lose um, because they're too suspicious or – and. and- here i guess playing with a group of seasoned gamers we all knew that none of our alliances were um could they could break at any time and we did put a lot of faith in the Doom. but you know for just like one turn you have to believe that this alliance is going to last and you can kind of um Play it that way where, uh, you know, all right, I'm going to trust you for one turn. If you betray me, I will never trust you again. <laughs> I'm going to trust you for one turn, and we'll see what happens, and then uh, uh, we'll see where it goes. And inevitably, you're both immediately planning how you're going to betray the other one as you're trying to develop your strategy based on the alliance. And I, I had more fun with that than I thought I would. Um, each house is very distinct in what they can do and how they uh, are sort of they're, they're designed to play, but you obviously don't have to be you're not limited to that it's very open in how you approach the game uh it's got some really cool mechanisms of player turn order and uh let's see certain things that you have tracks that you want to stay stay up on so you can be better at winning battles you can be uh the tiebreaker and the one who goes first or in player turn order or higher in player turn order and then you can also take the throne throughout the game um and I can't remember what that gives you. Maybe that's a player turn order one. But 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 anyway, <clears throat> it's a really, really uh, exciting game because it's one of those where, like, the, the game we played, the it was a come-from-behind win out of nowhere. Like, we, we there was one player that really didn't know what he was doing, uh, and he, he knows how to play games, but he just made some stupid boneheaded choices at the beginning. And he was kind of more of an aggressive player. Um, rabble rouser throughout the game so he would get involved in battles and he was he would just get wiped out and then he got trapped in an <laughs> island surrounded by like uh, an armadas of different teams and everyone was just sort of like beating him up on the way through that area to other areas and keeping him kind of contained but as the game progressed we all started like focusing on each other because we were also powerful to take the throne and um and it just a sequence of events happened where you know at the end you get into all these battles and you want you know i was fighting someone and then someone was fighting me and and then we all sort of weakened each other enough that he suddenly came out of his island snuck around the uh, the side <laughs> and then came from behind and wiped out the leader and took the whole game it was just like it was insane it wow. was such a thematic end and so on point for game of thrones as a book series or a TV series that you couldn't help but be like, damn, wow, that was awesome. Like, I didn't win, but that was right on brand. <laughs> huh. uh, and and the the one who got usurped was Aaron, and he was not happy about it. He was really I imagine he was not, in fact. <laughs> he was pretty pissed. Um, But, yeah, just... This is a game that's that the the complaints of length are very valid. It, it is longer than it really needs to be. But if you're looking for a really thematic game, that kind of like our talks about Nemesis, it's like you get through the game and it can be so thematic. This was really really thematic, and the fun of making these alliances and then betraying each other and knowing you're going to betray each other was really much more engaging than I thought it would be. This is this is pretty great. Still, it still still stands up as a as a pretty solid. Uh, once in a while, big game.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, so uh, that sounds super fun. Yeah, and definitely but one I, that I shines with a full it. compliment. Okay, well, I don't have a whole lot of opportunities <laughs> to play with that <laughs> right. many people, unfortunately. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, okay. Well, that uh, that sounds awesome. So I am going to go with uh for my number I don't know whatever uh two is that where we're at
0: uh yeah I think so
1: um and that is Dune Imperium Aha. so um I played Dune Imperium solo uh with two player and uh three player so I Really, really liked it. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for worker placement anyway. Um, I don't always love deck building per se, just for deck building's sake. Um, mm. But uh, but I, I thought that they they did a really good job combining them. Uh, it it feels like uh, the deck building aspect of this game is important. Right and. And there are some games that have deck building elements that kind of the, the deck building part of it is there, but you can ignore it. You can run headlong into it. You can do whatever. And and there are ways around it. I don't think there are ways strategically or tactically to play Dune Imperium without, uh, without deck building properly. So... Uh, and I thought it was pretty thematic. I know there were complaints that uh, that it was very bland-looking and, and the theme didn't come across very well, kind of came across fairly uh, mechanical. I kind of like the sparseness of it. To me, Dune has always been kind of one of those, uh, those IPs that isn't super flashy, just because, like, technology, true technology is like hardly exists at all because there's no computers. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've, they've kind of evolved around that. So, so there isn't, uh, it it is kind of a plain universe. It's very well developed and it's, it's potentially one of the most grandiose worlds, uh, fictional worlds ever designed, but it's uh, so much of it like takes place on this desert planet that is literally just sand and sandworms uh so it's it's not real like technologically flashy it's not like um you know like star trek or star wars where you get all these all this uh these giant starships and and these epic space battles and all this stuff it's uh it it, dune is kind of reminds me of if you were to take like uh victorian england and toss it you know a thousand years into the future and but right. not really make any other technological advancements beyond that and you kind of just got Dune. so so dune really isn't necessarily a real flashy uh sci-fi kind of universe to begin with so i thought that, <laughs> that that actually was a fairly good choice the sparseness um of of the design i thought was a pretty good choice and thematically the um the deck building the cards uh, really work they they are very thematic in that there's no cards that you're just like well this doesn't make any sense I mean it all comes from the source material and I think he, he, it all fits and interweaves very well uh, do I think it it could have looked a little nicer sure sure it could have but i I think uh, I think what they did fits with the world and I think it kind of evokes that sense of dune. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. There's something about the structure
0: that really does embody the feel of the, the word like you mentioned it feels different than any like sci-fi cuz it's you know it's like 10,000 years in the future and yet they don't have thinking computers, you know? <laughs> they right. they they won't. <laughs> they have a big rule against it. Um and so there's a feel of kind of a highly advanced society, but also a very, like, um, not technologically detached society. That's, there's still, like, the issues of humans have with each other are still very much there. You know, the politics, the backstabbing, the distrust is very much there. Where in, like, other advanced societies, like Star Trek is a great example of this, everyone loves each other, basically. I mean, they've been able to come together and create one society around. Um, the human race And that would not happen in Dune No, <laughs> It's just like Just through infighting and political intrigue They've expanded across the universe But <laughs> there is not love amongst all men and it's basically like I know you're going to try to kill me And I'm going to try to kill you And we're just going to exist like that um, But there is a sense of like tension So it's what I'm trying to get at In, in the books and in the movie um, Movies I guess There's a, there's a, that tension And so that there's a sort of um Oh, that simmering background tension. And it, I feel, you feel it in this game. It's surprising how well that they accomplished that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think one of the things that helps with that tension is just talking to nerd out on Dune for a second um, is the choice not to include uh, alien races. Like mm. everybody's human. Yeah. And so, so we can relate so powerfully to, all of the political intrigue and and all of the backstabbing and all of the uncertainty and the characters and how they act and how they react and how they feel it's all human and it's all human emotions and it's all things we've seen play out in real life amongst you know the real world all yeah. the time and so so it's uh it's almost more real without Aliens—it uh, just has that. It—it it, it is tension we can relate to. Uh, in Star Trek, sometimes there's Star Wars or what have you. Like there's all these cultural—I'll say cultural—but I'll just go species differences, where we're not. Maybe we don't know how you know arachnid people are supposed to feel, <laughs> right. or or what they value, or. Uh, you know how how they typically act or treat each other, but we know how people are. Right, and we're pretty much big piles of garbage for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> and, Dune, and Dune shows that that it never gets any better. Even ten thousand years later, it, yeah. it's not any better. Uh, I don't know if it's even that much worse, but it's certainly not any better. Uh, I I really like that that that's my my dune rant is is over on that but that's what i think kind of helps make it such a a powerful series yeah yeah i totally agree totally agree uh yeah i, I played dune imperium as well
0: i really liked it uh, this and arnek almost made my list um and they probably should have they're very distinct gameplays but uh this is one i really i only got to play it once i want to play it again Because I feel like this is very much, it's not a super complicated game, but it is very much a game where you want to have a good understanding of how the mechanisms work and the odds of certain things. So I made the mistake of going just kind of too heavy in in deck building. And so by the later part of the game, I was just sort of burdened by my deck. Um, And, you know, that's always something you want to be aware of is building too big of a deck in Deck Builders. But it seemed to really... Or maybe it's just, you know, the cards or the choices I made, of course, too, were probably the most informed. But um, there's a balance here to achieve. And it doesn't mean you have to play the game the same way every time. But there is... You have to consider the locations and how um, the locations are going to come into play in future rounds. And so now knowing the flow of the game, I think I'd enjoy it. Not to say I didn't, but enjoy it more than I did. Uh, because I kind of have a sense of like, okay, no, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and I, you know, I'm going to try to sneak in over here or do that, and that makes sense because Dune is supposed to be a complicated game. It's supposed to be um, a game of intrigue and subtle um, shifts in power, and then, um, you know trying to sleight of hand where I'm going to be doing this. Just kidding. I'm over here, <laughs> you know? And, and so right. having knowledge of the game is going to inform that more, but really interesting design. I have to say when it came out, you know, you never know with, with Dune, there's, there's a good examples of Dune being done. There's Dune in another name of Rex as a, a common one that's referenced. And then there's games that are just trash that he've kind of tried to use the Dune IP or used the Dune idea and kind of lost the thread there. But, um, really really well done. I and the art, yeah, I feel like the art could be a little bit better. There is a lot of it that I do like though, too. What are your thoughts on like the, like the card design? The
1: card art is pretty great. Um Yeah, the card art is very cool and very thematic and and yeah. it's it's actually like it it all makes sense and and For sure. It, you can use it to kind of weave a story line together if you're kind of inclined to do that. But you can also neglect the theme altogether and just play it oh, as a straight sure. euro. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's the the one hit against it for me is is not is that this like I I thought about picking it up and I didn't didn't do it because I just feel like I would have trouble getting this to the table and I, I know people who have it so that's the other reason, but like I definitely this is not a game my wife would care about playing <laughs> she would just be really annoyed at this game because a I'd probably be nerding out about Dune as we're playing it and she doesn't care and then b <laughs> and b I feel like um she can play big heavy games but. The, there just seems to be another layer of this, as there should be with the Dune game, of um, intrigue and understanding uh, the strength of the houses, and the theme really comes into play here. They did they hit the theme really well.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, Kirsten really liked it, but she uh, played it right after she watched the movie. Oh, Okay. And so she kind of had a feel at that point for sort of the setting and the characters and kind of it was neat for her, I think, to see like, oh, I know what the Bene Gesserit are. And oh, I know where uh, this planet is. I know what what the, the emperor is. I know what this stuff means. And so it was kind of interesting right after that. Uh, I'd, I'd kind of wonder now, months later, if it would kind of come across the same way right right but yeah i'm i'm with you it's uh it's it's definitely a game that benefits from repeated plays and and i think one of the big barriers to getting it to the table is um that because it benefits so much from repeated plays i think the person who's played it the most will typically win it
0: Oh sure,
1: okay. All, all things being all things being equal, somebody <clears throat> brand brand new to the game who's just learning versus somebody who's played it four or five times and kind of seen the ebbs and flows and kind of how the end comes and and you know where where kind of the pressure points are in the game. I feel like that would they would ultimately uh, I, I think that you'd see a big swing in. The number of times that that the more experienced player would win
0: yeah no, I, I totally agree with that because um that, that's the other thing the point of entry is is high here compared to uh, experienced players that being said i will say if you have a group that really loves dune and like a, a kind of a regular play session with this this is pretty this would be a pretty good one to kind of get together on oh, a regular yeah. basis you know, oh yeah, I, I could see this one being like a, a small group of people's like go to game every couple of months, you know, get a big playthrough of it. Yeah, that if would you be could, fun. I would love to do that.
1: If you could max out player count and play it consistently, I think you could have some absolutely epic games because you, you'd have so many different people uh, who who knew the game being able to take advantage of, you know, this and that and and i i think that uh a whole bunch of people playing as efficiently as they possibly can would make for an incredibly tight game uh yeah yeah i i think that's that's where it would probably shine the most
0: yeah i would love to do that like consistent playthrough um all right well there is doom imperium definitely really good one and uh uh I I really liked it too. I I think it's um one that anyone should check out, especially what's the top three? It's like that Arnak, and then Winter something.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, endless winter I think. Endless winter, yeah. Uh,
0: are the big ones that were had similar mechanisms, but couldn't be more different of games. <clears throat> um, really interesting that three kind of came out in that genre, sort of this new kind of genre of deck builder, adjacent worker, worker placement combo. Yeah um but so different in gameplay. Uh all right, my number 1 is um you know, I was going to do <laughs> I was going to do another big one, but I think I'm going to end it <laughs> on this one because I remember playing this game and it, it you know, it looked like a game that you just get off like a as a prize or you'd get some like I don't know like uh not not thrift store but a uh, pharmacy, you know the pharmacy toys <laughs> like the yeah. greens or something. Uh and and it turned out to be actually surprisingly fun and it's very light. So this is called Monster Crunch the what? um oh, what the... yeah. <laughs> sounds like a cereal. <laughs> <laughs> it is, the breakfast battle game. And it is using the um breakfast cereals from uh what is it General mills the general mills breakfast cereals, fruity pebbles, count chocula or not fruity pebbles, count chocula, booberry, yummy mummy, and all those cereals that were are you know more candy than cereals, but what? have great art to them and the game is just a fast paced game to see who can eat the most cereal <laughs> over the course of breakfast, and so what you're doing is you're choosing a character, one of those characters. Uh, let's say I take Count Chocula, and then I take Count Chocula's cereal bowl, and it has his cereal in it, and then I get a deck of cards, and I have two abilities that Count Chocula can do, and you're playing um, – each time you draw a certain amount of cards off the top of the deck for your hand for each round, and their number – I can't remember how high they go, but they're like one through – oh, I don't know, 20-something maybe – and um, you're just playing, consider those as like bites of cereal, and you're playing that into your bowl. And whatever number you play, though, the next person down the line has to play that same number or beat it in value. And so, but you can play um, two cards or more cards as long as they are the same number or in sequence. And to do that, you have to play a milk card token so you have to add milk to your cereal to get more cereal or uh to get in your bowl to get more cereal in your bowl to keep eating and so it's not just oh i played an 11 you played at 12 it's like oh i played an 11 okay well i played two so now we're at 22 so you got to beat 22 and as you go around you keep going until everyone has passed and the first last person left scores their cards everyone else gets another milk token and then you keep going around it sounds so simple and it is but it's just really well designed and it's really fun it plays Really quickly, uh, you can choose all of these ridiculous uh, sugar cereal characters. And I just had so much fun with it. I don't know why this game was so fun, but it really is. It was surprisingly well designed. I have two and questions. You... Yeah. <laughs> one <laughs> being, it. Grab wh- it.
1: Grab One it. being, wait, how did you end up playing this, you know, acquiring <laughs> it and playing this?
0: So this is <laughs> my my friend Alex is really great at finding just the weirdest quirky games. like I, I don't know how he gets his hands on these things, but uh, they live in Portland, and Portland is a really great board game scene and board game um, conventions. There's big and small ones, and they're, they're always, they are they're they always don't have kids, so they're always going to these, and he just runs across these weird games. Um, and so he found it, and he was visiting uh, last year, and he brought it, and we, we played it, and we played it a bunch. It was just such a weird, fun game.
1: Huh. My other question is what is a Fruit Brute? I've I know, right? I know I all these cereals. One. I ate all these cereals, but I, I never ate Fruit Brute. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. That was one I hadn't heard of.
0: Um, but, uh, yeah, I I, that, well, I guess he didn't uh, quite make the, the cut. All the other ones usurped him. Or, <laughs> or uh-huh. you know, at that point, they had four games of that ilk, and they. I feel like Fruit Brute was like, do we need another one of these? <laughs> High, I... heavily sugared and dyed games and fruit Brew just sort of <laughs> didn't get the huh. same the notoriety
1: yeah yeah okay well that's <laughs> that's certainly not one that i expected to be on your list so surprises yeah. all around
0: it's pretty great it's fast-paced it's quick it, it it's silly and it's fun the art is really well done um, and I just feel like it's a great filler or a great like kickoff game for a game night or a group where you're just trying to you know wait till everyone gets there or you're playing a few rounds of something to warm up. This one surprisingly fits well, and it is more than just a uh, IP grab to, to, of nostalgia. It actually is a, a thoughtfully designed game.
1: Okay, well, mine is uh, my number one is is far less unique, and we have uh, certainly talked about it uh quite a bit in fact we even mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago and that's lost ruins of arnak Uh, i couldn't i can't include dune imperium on a list that doesn't have lost ruins of arnak um to me they are basically brother games that have that could not be any more different in the way that they they implement uh these these two mechanisms uh lost ruins of arnak feels like an exploration game where you're exploring these areas and you're, you're trying to, you know, explore this temple and, and get up the track and, and has a very kind of, um, like almost Euroy feel in that regard, but at the same time still feeling like, uh, like you're exploring a forest and or a forest, a uh, ruins, uh, apparently mm-hmm. lost ruins. And, um, it just it, it's very engaging that way uh it's kind of uh art wise and component wise it's everything that dune imperium isn't dune imperium feels very sterilized and very very i'll say Euroe in a different way uh, and lost runes of arnak just feels like warm and and uh just exciting and inviting and 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 in dune you're just like kind of afraid of everyone and you're playing this this you know mistrust game and in lost ruins you're just sort of like indiana jonesing all over the place (laughs) and 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 it's just a the vibe from each game is is very very different and uh and lost ruins i feel like it has the deck building part of it but i have gone over the top and had a bloated deck that just basically who knew what was in it um to a, a deck that I literally drew the entire thing every single turn, so so <laughs> I, where I really just didn't pursue the deck building at all, and right. and I've I've had good luck with both. I've I've won both ways. So so I don't feel like Lost Drones forces you down a particular path. I don't feel like it it requires that you deck build. Um, you really, I mean, obviously you have to to go up the temple track uh that seems to be the the ultimate key but there's so many different ways to go about that that uh it doesn't sort of pigeonhole you in that way and then lost ruins has what i love so much about so many games uh that do this and that is the the turns get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and by the time you're in the final round of lost ruins you're just I'm going to do this to, to get this, to take this, to earn this, to buy this, to turn that in, to get this. And it's just this over-the-top avalanche of things. And, and any game that can do that, I will like. Any game sure. where you start off with, I can do a couple of things and end up four or five rounds later, it just feels like you can do anything. Um, I really enjoy that that feeling of progression. And I think it does it very well. I don't don't feel like Dune Imperium does anything like that, but it's not. It's a very different kind of game. So you go into it expecting very different things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Lustrons is is awesome. I I this is one I did pick up for the like I mentioned before. I knew I could get this to the table. Uh, although the one time I did play with my wife, I was so excited. I was like, "What'd you think?" And she's like, "Eh." I was <laughs> so crestfallen because mm-hmm. I really love this game and have played it several times, um, always enjoyed it. I feel like she just wasn't in the mood for a game, and it was probably one of those moments where like, let's play a game, she's like, all right, let's do this new one. I'm going to bombard you with rules. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The progression is so fun. There's a lot of different ways to progress, and there's a lot of viable strategies. The tech track I've seen used in... Like, you can't completely ignore it or you shouldn't, but I've seen it used in different ways. Like, people just straight-up advance their magnifying glass and kind of ignore their book, or they combo their book, or they get all the way to the top to get those mega point scores, or they just kind of get to the middle or a little bit higher than the middle to get those benefits and then focus mainly back at the main board. It's just a really cool... balance of a lot of different things. I had an experience recently where we were playing at a, a game night and someone just sort of out of the blue, they had a, a minor emergency that they had to go home to do. Their dog suddenly got sick. It ate something terrible and, and it got sick and oh. they had to leave. to, to uh, It was fine. But, you know, it was the, the their wife called, and uh, she was like, I don't know what's happening. The dog's <laughs> the dog's clearly sick. And so he had to go home and help out with that. And they were in the middle of a game of Lost Ruins of Ardak. And so, um, you know, I was kind of the odd person out at the time, and he asked me if I could just jump in. Well, and he left. And so I took over his game, and he had never played before. So he didn't really know what he was doing. He didn't have really a great strategy going. Uh, and I had, had jumped in and tried to, you know, uh, you know try to play the game to to get close i didn't win but i i got you know I was, i'm satisfied with the points i got and even in a strategy that i really wasn't sure it was sort of a mishmash disjointed strategy there was still ways to kind of right the ship and and then go back and really try to become competitive in the game and and be a contender and so i got to respect a game for that that has a not a catch up mechanism but the ability to make some ground if you are um you know, a little bit behind because you have resources. It's just, you know, how do I apply these in the best way for points or, um, and there's ways to play the game that don't, it's, it's, you can get in the way of other players, but there's a way, tons of ways to approach your turn that your other players aren't going to be able to stop you. And that's, that's always great or a good feeling in a game.
1: Yeah. It definitely has, has good second and third options that if, uh, that are almost as good as the first. So, yeah, that's uh, that is good. It's very difficult to really mess with somebody, which obviously, you know, I I prefer games where I'm sort of in charge of my own destiny. If I'm going to lose, I'd like to think that I lost rather than somebody just pummeled me into submission, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I uh it's just this is a good game. It's um one one of the very few possibly the only really big game that uh i think kirsten's ever asked to play so uh, she's she's huge fan um i i like it it's easy easy to teach it makes sense all of the uh all the elements kind of work together and um yeah i like it that's my number one nice
0: yeah good that's a solid number one i feel like that is one that um this year last year especially has been uh on a lot of tables and a lot of places and, and rightly so it is a really solid game all right everybody well there we go there is our top 10 memorable plays of last year and uh we had many more i know bill had quite the list and so yeah uh, we could go on and on and on at infinitum but um these are some of the the top tens that we had so uh any do you have any honorable mentions you want to throw in before we go or should we call it there
1: um. Let's call it there. I have a bunch of games I, I want to talk about um, that okay. did not make this list, but I think that uh, that's probably something for next week. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right. Well, we'll leave it there. And uh, thank you guys for listening. You can always reach out to us, of course, in a couple different ways at Want. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Ah. Uh, at roasted games one at Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow us on a uh, Facebook as well. At roasted games, those are probably the best places to reach us. We would love to hear what you guys are playing, what your thoughts about your memorable plays this year, and um, you can even throw us under the bus about our memorable plays if you think we're complete idiots about our takes on these games. But I don't think you will.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> anyway. anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode.
1: Bye.